Good morning. Uh, my name is Bryce. I'm the pastor here at Resurrection OC. And I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to John 14. John 14, we began last week a series called The Unknown God. And we are um, looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, primarily in the Gospel of John. And I began last week by uh, sort of suggesting to us that when we, um, you know, we have a lot of different experiences when it comes to talking about or thinking about who is the Holy Spirit. And uh, some of us, of a certain sort of temperament or proclivity, I think get really nervous even just mentioning the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, others of us get very curious and we begin to wonder about these, these things that we've heard of. Um, you know, these kind of uh, very ecstatic experiences, and uh, maybe we don't know what to make of that, or maybe we've witnessed, witnessed uh, something of that, uh, maybe we long for something of that. Uh, but I began last week by suggesting that the, the starting place, um, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, it should not really be uh, what does the Holy Spirit do, but rather who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this uh, divine person? And so I'm going to read for us uh, a passage from John 14 where Jesus talks about um, who the Holy Spirit is. Uh, this, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ. Uh, all different names for this same person, the third person of the Trinity. So let me invite you to stand with me as we give our attention to God's Word and... Um, if you have a, a physical copy of the Bible, I would encourage you to open that up to John 14. Um, we are all experiencing the difference between uh, virtual things and physical things, aren't we? And uh, this is perhaps a good opportunity for us to open up a physical copy of the Bible and stand as we remember that God uh, speaks to us through His Word that we are bodies, that we are physical, that worship is a bodily experience. So now that you're standing in your living room with me in my living room, listen to God's word. John 14, verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not the Spirit, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Oh God, we, God, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. We thank you for the words of Jesus recorded for us. And we pray that, Holy Spirit, you would make uh, yourself known to us as we consider your ancient word today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, please. Well, I wonder if you remember the experience. Uh, I'm sure that we've all had this experience. Uh, It's the experience of being a little child and going perhaps with your mom to the grocery store. And there you are in the grocery store, and maybe uh, your mom has told you that you get to pick out your uh, favorite cereal, and you're looking for your, your favorite cereal, or if you're like me, you're just basing it, judging it based on the toy that was in the box, and you're looking and you're so enthralled with that, and you finally choose what you're gonna, what you're gonna take home, and you turn around, and your mom is gone. And you're scared, and you're alone. Little do you know that in the next aisle over, your mom is right there, and she's looking for you, and wondering where you are, but it doesn't really matter because you can't see her, and you're wondering, why in the world has my mom left me? Why has she left me alone? Someone that you depend on has left you utterly alone, and now you don't have any idea what to do. That, I think, is a little bit of what the disciples are experiencing in this passage that we read this morning. In John uh, 13 through 19, we are reading the farewell discourse of Jesus to his disciples. These 12 men have followed Jesus everywhere he's gone. They've witnessed his teaching and his miracles. They've slept under the same roof with him. They've shared meals together. They've gotten a behind-the-scenes look at the ministry of Jesus for three years, and in John 13 through 19, Jesus now sits these guys down and says, I'm about to leave you. But, Jesus says, um, I want you to continue to do the work that I have begun. I mean, think about what that, must, that, that experience must be like. They've been the early adopters. You know, they've gotten in on the ground floor of Jesus' ministry. Everybody is about to see something. They know that Jesus' ministry is about to go to the next level. They don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but they're sure it's going to be big. And soon crowds will be flocking to Jesus, and they were the ones that were there at the beginning. G- uh, Peter has just... You know, uh, these men have, have um, they've committed to do whatever it takes to be with Jesus. I mean, Peter has literally just said in the, in the previous chapter, he's literally just said, Jesus, I would die for you. I will do anything for you, Jesus. And Jesus now begins to explain to these men that he's about to leave them. And they're confused. And they must be hurt. And they start asking questions like, Jesus, where in the world are you going? And Jesus, why can't we come with you to wherever it is that you're going? And Jesus tells them that he's going back to the Father. And Jesus looks at them 
and says, as I go back to the Father, I want you to carry on the work that I began to do. He says to them, if you love me, you will keep doing this work that I've taught you to do. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And you can get the sense of just how hurt and confused they must be. Like that child lost in a store, suddenly wondering where mom is, suddenly wondering why this person who they have come to depend on is abandoning them. Why would Jesus leave his disciples? Why would he leave us? And how in the world does he expect us to carry on without him? And as they're beginning to wonder this, you know, why, Jesus? What are you talking about? Why? Jesus actually takes it to the next level and says, it's better for you that I go. It's better for you that I go. I mean, can you imagine? They're sitting there, Jesus, you're leaving us and things are going to get better? What in the world are you talking about? And then Jesus lands the kind of coup de grace and says, yes, it's better for you because if I go, I will ask the Father... And he will send another helper, the Holy Spirit. This word that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit, uh, if you're reading with me in the ESV translation, it's it's the word helper. If you're looking at a different translation, it it might have words like counselor, or uh, the old King James used comforter. the, the original Greek word that, that Jesus spoke there is the word paraclete. And uh, it's a word that has an incredible breadth of meaning, and so different translations have used different words to translate the word paraclete in, in an attempt to kind of capture all that Jesus is communicating when he describes the Holy Spirit in this way. The word paraclete is sort of a combination of two Greek words, the words um, para. Um, and the word kaleo, it means to, to call alongside. Uh, Jesus here is saying that the Holy Spirit is the one who has called alongside us to help us and to enable us to do all that Jesus has taught us. And Jesus says in verse 17, he says, It is better for you that I go, because if I go, I will send, I will ask the Father, and he will send the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one who come alongside you. And he says in verse uh, 17, he will dwell, uh, he dwells with you, sorry, he dwells with you and he will dwell in you. Okay? With you, he is with you and he will be in you. Kind of after Jesus has died and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven on the day of Pentecost, which we're moving towards and we'll look at uh, as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday on um, on, uh, on May 31st. Um, sorry, I'm getting distracted by my kids in the background. <laughs> We're moving towards the celebration of Pentecost. And it's when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit will now dwell not just with us, but in us. Okay, so you see what's happening here? Big picture. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's leaving. He's, he's going to go to the cross. He's going to give his life uh, for, for our sins. And he's saying to the disciples, I want you to carry on my work, but I'm not abandoning you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And he will be another helper. And he will dwell with you. 
and he will dwell in you, and he will enable you to do all that I have taught you because he is uh, with you and he will be in you. That's what Jesus is saying. And what I want you to see is that we are very much in the same position that the disciples were uh, when they sat there in the upper room and heard Jesus speak these words. Because we too have received uh, the teaching of Jesus, and he's given his his church a mission, a, a, a co-mission, a mission that we are to carry out together, going into all the world, uh, making disciples, baptizing, and teaching people to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And we are to do this without Jesus bodily present with us. And the question that raises for the disciples, as it does for us, is how? How in the world, perhaps as Jesus with us in the flesh, you can see how we might be able to carry out that mission, but how is this possible on our own? What Jesus is telling us is that we're not on our own. And what I want you to see is that whenever the question how comes up in the life of the individual Christian or in the gathering of the church together, the question that uh, when that how question arises, how, God, are you going to accomplish this? And the answer is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is with us and in us. And so what I want you to see in this passage is the way that the Holy Spirit enables us to obey Jesus, to carry on his work, to live into the fullness of who God has created us to be, both individually, but especially uh, as a church body. How are we to do and to be all that God has called us to be? It's by uh, the work, the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, through us. And so what I want you to see is the identity of this person. Who is this paraclete? Who is this divine person who dwells with us and in us? And so what I want to do uh, this morning is to help you uh, understand the identity of the paraclete by looking at the various ways that Jesus describes him here in this passage. Uh, there are really three ways that Jesus describes the paraclete, the uh, Holy Spirit. He uses three words, um, or at least as they're translated and come down to us, we see three emphases, uh, and those are teacher and counselor and helper. So first, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Verse 26. Jesus says this quite literally, doesn't he, in verse 26. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my place, in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus says specifically that the Holy Spirit is a teacher and he will teach us two specific things. First, he will, uh, well, he says this in the opposite order, but he says that G the Holy Spirit will teach us by helping us remember all that Jesus has said. And then secondly, he will teach us all things. All things. So what do you suppose that means? I think it's easy to imagine that Jesus is saying, you know, in some sort of mystical way, Maybe when we find ourselves under pressure, maybe in a moment where uh, we're kind of called to defend our faith or where we are under persecution or, or in some way the Holy Spirit will give us some kind of special insight. You know, the Holy Spirit will just kind of zap us 
and we will know what we need to know in the moment. And I think certainly there is some truth to that. But I think if you consider the context of what Jesus is saying here, what he's specifically saying here is something a little bit different. Jesus is speaking these words to the 12 disciples, these 12 men who, again, have been with him and have followed him and they have listened to Jesus' teaching. Um, these 12 men who have spent these, this time with Jesus, after Jesus' death and after his resurrection, it's these 12 men who are going to carry on the work of Jesus. They are going to stand up on the day of Pentecost and they are going to explain the good news of the gospel uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on, on the people. Uh, they are going to travel into all of the known world, and then when they go there, they're going to begin to teach people about Jesus. Uh, and they are, and in, in their teaching, they're going to plant churches. And then later on, these 12 men are the ones who will eventually write down the teaching of Jesus, and it will be distributed, and it will uh, eventually come to be what we call the New Testament. The 12 men that Jesus is talking to right here are the authors of the New Testament. Because Jesus goes, the Holy Spirit comes, and he teaches the apostles, and he helps them to remember everything that Jesus said and did in his ministry. He leads them into all truth by teaching them to kind of understand everything that continues to happen in the life of the early church in light of the gospel. In other words, the Holy Spirit as teacher enables the apostles to write the New Testament. Now, I don't know how that sounds to you. It might sound sort of ho-hum. But think about this reality that apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you and I would know nothing about the person of Jesus. Because the reality is that you and I were not there in the, holy, uh, in the, in the upper room when Jesus spoke these words. Uh, this teaching didn't just fall down from heaven into our laps, and we're not just making it up as we go. And so it's because the ministry of the Holy Spirit comes and teaches these 12 men who then go on to teach about Jesus and write the New Testament of Gospels and letters and epistles that we learn about Jesus. Because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we know who Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. Remember, Jesus says, uh, is with us, but he is also in us. Because Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit uh, to be with us and who is now, in fact, in us, uh, we understand the teaching of Jesus in a far more intimate way. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like this. Maybe if you're a teacher or a leader of some sort and you give instruction to other people. Often there comes a time where you discover that though you have instructed others, they have not really uh, received your instruction. Sometimes I think about this as a parent. Uh, you know, one of the new rhythms that we are living in our house in this time of social distancing is Saturday is for chores. And we are, we are doing a deep clean of our house on Saturday. And so I have been teaching my children how to clean their rooms. And what happens is I go and I teach my children, this is how you pick your stuff up. This is how you make your bed. This is how you put things back on the shelf. And then I go away and I expect that when I come back, what I have taught them to do is going to be the thing that they are actually doing. Doesn't always go exactly the way that I had intended, does it? 
And sometimes I can go back and, and find that I have to explain again what I've already uh, explained to my children. And I ask, what are you doing? Why aren't you cleaning? And the answer is, I don't know why I'm not doing what you told me to do. Do you understand the words? I'm saying, yes, I understand the words. So why are you doing what I've asked you to do? I don't, I don't know. And it's so frustrating as a parent because all I have is words. And sometimes I wish I could crawl inside their heads and understand what they're thinking so that I could communicate to them in a way that made sense to them. And that is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit is with us in the teaching of the Bible. But the Holy Spirit is also in your heart, teaching you, applying to you in very intimate and specific ways the truths, the teaching of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And you see the radical effect uh, the, the efficaciousness, I guess, <laughs> of the Holy Spirit's teaching ministry in the lives of these 12 men, because though they have been with Jesus for three years, and they've enjoyed Jesus' teaching, the reality is that they hardly understood any of it at all. I mean, they're constantly listening to Jesus and doing the opposite thing. I mean, think about Peter again. You know, Peter says, uh, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And Peter says, you know, on that rock I will build my church. And the next thing Peter does, um, Jesus is having to turn around and rebuke him and say, you are Satan incarnate. Uh, what is going on, Peter? They just couldn't understand what, um, what Jesus was teaching them. And yet it's only 50-something days after this that Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and explains to the multitude gathered there the life and ministry of Jesus, and 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus for the first time. It's because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell not just with us, but in us. He's not just with the apostles, he's in the apostles. The apostles have spent all this time with Jesus, and they've enjoyed his teaching, and Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I go away. And they're going, but we're going to miss your teaching. And Jesus is saying, if I go away, I will send you the teacher who will be in you, and you will finally understand my teaching, not just enjoy it. It's interesting that the kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, more extraordinary gifts that we often associate with the Holy Spirit. We tend to focus on the gifts and wonder, what is this thing about speaking in tongues or the gift of prophecy? But these gifts are enabling people to communicate the truth about who Jesus is. And so when the Holy Spirit uh, lives in you, not just with you, but in you, he enables you to be a person who can speak about Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. And here we're thinking of a counselor not in the sense of a therapist, though uh, that's a good thing. But we're thinking about the Holy Spirit as a counselor in the sense of counsel, please approach the bench. We might use the word advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. He is uh, the person who is on your side. He's in your corner. I don't know if you've ever had to go to court. But if you ever had to go to court... Aside from the few of you who are lawyers watching this, if you've had to go to court, it's a very disorienting experience. Going to court is like a different world. It's got its own systems and procedures and places and like a language that does not make sense if you haven't been schooled in that world. And so if you have to go to court, 
You want to bring with you an advocate. Somebody who will represent you, but somebody who knows that world, who can show you where to go and what to do, who can speak on your behalf, and someone who will defend you. In verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And it is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that Jesus comes to us, that he is present with us as our advocate. We saw last week that the Holy Spirit uh, was the advocate. I don't think I used that word, but he was the, the companion of Jesus. Throughout Jesus' ministry, the Holy Spirit is, is present with Jesus. Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized in the Spirit. Uh, in his teaching, in his ministry, in his miracles, he is attended to by the Holy Spirit. His work is validated by the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit, Jesus offers himself to the Father on the cross, and it is the Holy Spirit that raises Jesus again from the grave on Easter Sunday at every step. It is the Holy Spirit who is guiding and leading and encouraging and advocating for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the key witness in the life of Jesus. And because he is the key witness in the life of Jesus, again, think of this, the Holy Spirit is with us and in us. Because he is with us, he is bearing witness to Jesus. As the Holy Spirit is with us, as an advocate for Jesus, he witnesses to the validity and the truth of Jesus' ministry. He is with us, but he is also in us, enabling us also to be people who bear witness to Jesus. He bears witness with us to Jesus, and he bears witness in us to enable us to bear witness to Christ. You have someone who is on your side, who is in your corner, who is your defender. The Holy Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit is the key witness, and he's going to come, and although you will face uh, difficulty and opposition, and although you'll see the name of Jesus maligned in the world, the Holy Spirit will be my advocate, Jesus says, and your advocate. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. That's what... The uh, ESV translation says, uh, translating this word, paraclete. Um, but you kind of see this teased out a little bit. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Verse 21, whoever has uh, my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Jesus is helping us by the power of the Spirit. Verse 23, whoever has my commandments and keeps them... Um, that's not verse 23. Verse 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus is saying that by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son will come to us and make their home within us. And so the ESV translates the word paraclete as, as a helper, uh, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Theologian Sinclair Ferguson goes even further and says that Jesus is describing the Holy Spirit as a sort of divine homemaker. And you see that, don't you, in, in verse 23. The Holy Spirit works in our lives to make our lives a home for the Father and the Son to live in us. 
The Holy Spirit applies the work of Jesus to us. And so in doing that, it's the Holy Spirit who cleanses us and sort of acts as a divine uh, homemaker to cleanse our spiritual house from all unrighteousness. In a sense, to clean up our house in order to make room for God to move in. This is what it means for the Holy Spirit to be our helper. There's a sense um, when the Holy Spirit is referred to as our helper that, that Jesus is hearkening back to Genesis 2 where God, having created uh, the earth and creates uh, humanity, male and female. And there in Genesis 2, we read that God created Adam, the first man, but it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And so God causes all the animals to pass by him, and Adam is looking for a helper, and there's no helper that is suitable for him. And so it says, God created a helper suitable to him, and he creates woman, Eve. And over the years, and even in our time, we tend to think of a helper as a subordinate. Somebody who helps me is subordinate to me, we tend to think, but it's the same word helper that's used to describe the third person of the Trinity here, who is unique in his role, and yet is equal in power and glory with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is neither male nor female, yet in his role as helper or divine homemaker, the Holy Spirit carries out functions that we often associate more with, with women, helping us, nurturing us, bringing us home to God, cleansing us, making our lives a suitable home for God to dwell in. The Old King James Version, as I said earlier, the Old King James Version of the Bible, when it came to translate John 14, the word paraclete, the authors of the King James Version translated the word paraclete using the word comforter. Now to us, that's a little bit confusing because they are not saying that the Holy Spirit is a blanket, um, nor are they saying you know the Holy Spirit is like a shoulder to cry on. Um, the, the meaning of the word comfort, comforter has changed over the last several hundred years. We live in a time when we think of comfort, uh, and we think a lot about comfort, don't we? But for many of us, um, living a life of comfort is sort of the goal of life. But when the King James referred to the Holy Spirit as our, as our comforter, uh, the authors didn't have in mind, the, or the translators didn't have in mind, the sense of physical ease and sort of plush spas and leisurely vacations. The word comfort, according to the Oxford Dictionary, comes from the Middle English word, which means to strengthen or support. The etymology, if you break down the word comfort, it breaks down to calm, which is, is a word expressing intensive force, and the word fortis, meaning strong, incredibly strong. The Holy Spirit is the divine person who has come to build a fort in us. The Holy Spirit comes to build a fortress home within us, a place of safety and a place of rest from which we can then follow Jesus into the world and able to carry out all the work that Jesus has called us to do in his name. The Holy Spirit comes to do this in us. So let me finish in the next few minutes by sort of applying this to this situation in this time that we live in right now. 
Mark Sayers is a uh, pastor in uh, Melbourne, Australia, a brilliant thinker. And I uh, heard an interview with him in the last couple of weeks where he, um, he, he was saying that typically what happens in the life of the Christian is this, that the Christian life, uh, sort of and in the life of the Christian in the midst of the church, uh, tends to take place on sort of three levels. There are those who are called by God to be pastors and elders and sort of ministry leaders. And those ministry leaders, uh, so that's sort of the first level, uh, those people do their ministry, their public ministry, on Sunday morning, kind of the second level, for the benefit of everybody else. And the people who come on Sunday morning to receive the public ministry of the, of the, of the leaders of the church are being equipped to then go out and do their public ministry the other six days a week in their families and in their lives. Okay, so that's sort of the world, the way, right or wrong, that the Christianity and the life of the church tends to function. But now we are living in this time where that middle level, that kind of ministry of the church gathered, has been completely stripped away. I mean, even just the artificialness of this moment um, experience uh, kind of reveals to us the fact that the gathering of the church has been stripped away. This pandemic has turned the normal way of our operating upside down. I think that the sad truth is that for many Christians, the work of Christianity has been to go to church. It, we, we, we tend to kind of have this expectation that the goal of, going, of being a Christian is to show up at church, and now that that's been stripped away, perhaps God is using it as, a, as an opportunity for us to reflect on the fact that that has been an inadequate experience of what it means to live the Christian life and to follow Jesus. That going to church has never really been the goal of the Christian life. It's just been sort of one of the prerequisites to living as a faithful Christian. Going to church isn't the goal. It's sort of the starting place where we go to be equipped to live as Christians following Jesus into the world to make disciples 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, thankfully, we can still gather, even in this limited way, over technology. But I think one of the realities that we have to reflect on as a church is that we are just as capable now of equipping each other to do the work of ministry uh, the other six days a week. But it has become all the more important that we do that now. We can still gather like this, and it's good that we can do that. But as we now live as the scattered church that is not really able to gather, it is my job more than ever to equip you to follow Jesus into the world, to live out the mission that he has called us to, both as individuals and as a church. As we now live as the scattered church, that's my role. As you seek to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, it's my job to equip you to do that. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's someone who comes to strengthen us. He doesn't come by leading us. He doesn't come as a comforter to lead us into a life of ease. Uh, He doesn't come to help us kind of avoid the fray. We're already living in the fray. He comes to us to equip us to thrive in the midst of it. Friends, comfort does not mean being at ease. The comforter did not come to us 
to enable us to avoid discomfort. Comfort means being equipped. The Holy Spirit is with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He is at work within you, making a home for God, cleansing you of your sins so that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit might dwell in you and make you a temple, a monument to God's glory. And because you have been cleansed of your sin, you no longer have to worry about yourself, which frees you up to follow Jesus into the world that he has called you into, to love and serve, knowing that the Holy Spirit is the one who is your teacher and your advocate and your helper all along. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that from all eternity you purposed to send your Son to show us what God is like. And that having lived and died in our place and risen from the dead, that Jesus might send the Holy Spirit to dwell not just with us but in us, to enable us to do all that you have called us to do. We thank you that he is in us as our advocate. That he is the one who sets us free even when our consciences accuse us. Would that truth transform the way that we live, even in this upcoming week? Would you live through us, Holy Spirit? Help us to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.